As a business owner myself, I have always invested in coaches over courses, not because there aren't amazing online courses out there, but because I know as a business school graduate that at the end of the day, it's not about just getting more information. It's really about implementation and support. If you're ready to get deep, personalized support to lead a values-aligned, sustainable, impactful business, you may be perfect for one-on-one coaching with me, and I currently have openings on my calendar to start this spring. If this sounds like you, head to my website, brooke-monahan.com. You can find a link to book a call with me, as well as more details on what private coaching looks like on my Work With Me page. Or if you want to chat first, just shoot me an email at brooke at brooke-monahan.com. Now, there is a silent E and a silent G in my name, so best thing to do is just check out the show notes. I'll have my email and my website right there so that you can end up in the right place. You're listening to Transcend Your Dichotomy, the podcast where we break the rules that say we have to leave ourselves behind in pursuit of success. I'm Brooke Monahan, and I created the show for purpose-driven business owners. Together, we'll talk about how to go for your goals, have an impact, all while honoring yourself, your desires, and your values. Today's guest is someone who I have been wanting to have on the podcast for so long. Lenine Wells is one of my longest standing clients, and I have been wanting to get them on here. And finally, today is the day that you get to listen in on this conversation while I interview Lenine about many of the things that, to me, make them stand out as somebody who is just an example of how I wish more people did business. They're very active in their community. Um, she is someone who really values excellence in everything that she does. And she also values um, inclusivity and accessibility and allows that to be the thing that drives her work. And as a brand strategist, that those might seem like two different things, but they're so not. And so I'm also really excited to get into that today. Now, before we start, let me give you the official details on Lenine. Um, Lenine is a creative strategist, brand designer, and lover of snacks. I just see, do you see why I love this person? Because including that in your bio? Yes. Um, who founded Sublation Studio. Sublation is a design and discussion studio that offers creative services focused on intersectionality, accessibility, and diversity through inclusive practices, education, and advocacy. The term sublation refers to a philosophical concept that suggests when seemingly contradictory things or ideas intersect, they have the potential to produce something more powerful than either could alone. Um, I am sensing transcend your dichotomy vibes, hence why I wanted Lenine on the show. Sublation is integration without elimination, combination without loss. Lenine embraces their own intersectional identity and integrates those perspectives into both their work and connecting communities. Through sublation, Lenine aims to show clients how their design and practices can be inclusive and accessible without sacrificing aesthetics or brand messaging and voice. In addition to Lenine's love for all things art and design, Lenine is an intersectional, multi-potentialite philosophy nerd, is hard of hearing, and a huge music fan. Lenine is an advocate for equity, justice, and healing, especially for marginalized and underrepresented communities. Lenine is fueled by matcha, tea, snacks, side eyes, and gratitude. Lenine's love languages are playlists and gifts, and in this conversation, we're going to talk about um, Lenine's newsletter that you should definitely join. I'll put the information for that in the show notes. Um, one of the things that they share there are what they're listening to, and it's one of my favorite parts. Okay, let's get into this episode because it is too good to make you wait. Lenine, 
I have been trying to get you on this podcast for a bit now, but I am so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for keeping that invite open and pushing me off the cliff to make me do it. But yeah, I know I'm super excited. Yeah, the invite is remains open. You ever want to come back, you just let me know. Um, so to get us started, do you want to introduce yourself and let fill people in a bit on what you do? And we would love to hear a bit about how you started doing what you do, maybe a little about your entrepreneurial journey, as they call it. Ooh, the journey, yes. I know. <laughs> um, well, I am a creative strategist and a brand designer. And as my formal email title has, also lover of snacks. Um, I'm the foundation founder of Sublation Studio. Um, it's basically kind of, I consider a design and discussion studio that offers creative services. So I do lots of brand identity stuff, logos, colors, audience, mission, vision, values, all that good stuff, um, but focus primarily on intersectionality, accessibility, and diversity. I try to make sure that people know about inclusive practices, a little bit of education and advocacy thrown in there for uh, spice. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now, just kind of figuring out this entrepreneurship thing, running my studio. Yeah. So how did you get into design? And I also would love to hear like how this creative this like design studio but also discussion element came in like how did all of this start because by the time that I met you you were already doing what you do now like I wasn't here for any of this evolution so I I this is me just wanting the details you missed the real messy bit still messy now but (laughs) um I think I don't know I've always kind of been into like the various ways like kind of art and philosophy are my two things like I, I love them such a nerd about them um and how those two things kind of like are expressed and that could be I don't know everything from design to like strategy to architecture to I don't know reading about string theory and like parallel universes um but it wasn't until actually like university that I was like oh snap like design could be a career I could get paid <laughs> to do this that's awesome um and I actually started off in visual effects first I thought that was the coolest thing I was like I want to make things blow up and like particles and smokes and like I, I thought it was cool I thought I was going to be like working at like a Disney or a Pixar you know yeah, like in some dark room cool. you know churning away um but literally a year before I graduated I was like oh what's this thing called graphic design that looks kind of cool <laughs> I had already did my final like, you know, visual effects project and everything. And like literally the last minute I was like, but that looks awesome. Um, so I did, er, and did like a little swerve into graphic design. Um, and after graduation, I did my basic kind of like what you usually do. You know, you work in-house corporate America. You try like production work with agencies, um, dabbling in, you know, a little freelance in the evenings and on weekends and things like that. And it slowly became more obvious. I was like, yeah, this is a career. I can actually do this. Um, But then I started to wonder, okay, I want to do this, but I don't want to work for someone. Like I want to work for myself. (laughs) How do I do that? How do I, how do I still make that a viable thing? I still want to work with people, but I don't want a boss. Um, And around that time, really like freelancing and being like an independent contractor was becoming more normalized, like more mainstream, at least in the States as like a viable career path. So you know, once I kind of had that burnout from corporate America and I was still like really curious, like creatively, I was like, all right, I'm going to take the dive and like kind of bet on myself and give this a shot. Amazing. And then you started doing the design work and then this other element started to emerge in the design work. Cause you're not just like any designer. 
right? Like you're not just making things look nice. You're doing things. Your your whole thing, right, is like we can make things look great, but we can also be accessible and inclusive and advocate for these things through design, which I'm so curious about because I think that it's something that a lot of people just don't even think about. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just want to like, how did all of that start to start to unfold? It didn't happen consciously. It just happened because it was like a natural need. Like yeah. as a hard of hearing person, I'd be in meetings and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Why aren't there captions? I would just be lost in a sauce. And I'm like, does everyone have meetings without captions? You know, at least virtual meetings, like what's happening here? Um, or I've had friends who have varying degrees of like colorblindness, for example, and they're like, we'd be looking at something in general and they're like, is that blue or is that green? Is that the same color? And I'm like, wait, designers aren't checking this? Like, what the heck? And that kind of just opened this door of there's a whole world where accessibility and design meet. And there were people, there's definitely people out there addressing it, but I didn't even know it was like, a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that kind of led to like this cool research rabbit hole where I was like, how do we make this happen? Or who's already talking about it? How can I learn more kind of thing? And did you so like, when people come and work with you, do you find that part of the reason why they're coming to work with you is because they want that element of it? Or are they coming to you for design work? And then you're like, Oh, and by the way, um, these are all of the other things that we need to address as we're doing this, right? Like, I'm curious about that element as well. I think they initially come to me for my snack recommendations because they're on par. They're amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's why. <laughs> See, this is where this is where I'm always having to remind you. You get so many of your clients through referral, and I'm like, Lenine you obviously do amazing work because people are just finding you. And this is just another example of you being like, oh no, it's not because I do great design work. It has to be because of something else. So I'm just calling you on that. Of course. You know, you got to deter whenever I get compliments. I can't just accept them (laughs) straight up. Master Uh, deflector. Absolutely. You're not getting getting away with it on here. I'm going to put that in my email title for sure. Master deflector. Um, No, I think initially it was design. And then it was something that I kind of tacked on. I was like, while we're here, let's also talk about these other things. Or when I was explaining to them, you know, their brand colors and why I chose the ones I chose for accessible reasons and testing and things like that, it kind of opened their ears. Um, I think it's shifted over the past year in terms of people realizing that's something that's kind of baked into my process, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And something that's that I do and that like, you can't get around it. Like I don't offer design services and like, oh, if you want accessibility knowledge on the side, that's an add on. Like it comes with me as a person. It comes through my lens and how I see things. It comes through the work. So I think that once people realize that, they're like, oh, this is actually more than just the, you know, okay, strategy, design, deliverables and go. There's Mm -hmm. so much more learning that goes in, not just with the process, but then what they can take later and moving forward with their own teams or if they're an individual business Mm -hmm. and their own like design stuff moving forward. One of the things that I think is like that I observe that's very different about you from Mm -hmm. other entrepreneurs that I work with is Uh that, no, it's a great thing. You are very active as a part of like the community, uh, like the design community, it seems. You're not just like, and you're, and it's not because you're trying to market to anybody there, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, you're active in a community for reasons other than trying to form relationships to get business. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, 
it seems as though I could be wrong that like part of the reason why you do that is because you really value being great at what you do and you really value like learning and constantly developing like your skill level. I, I know this about you that you are like very concerned with making sure that you are doing the absolute best job that you can. But the other element of that is that I see you also kind of like challenging the industry that you're in and challenging people in the design community to do better from an accessibility and inclusion kind of perspective. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious about that because people who listen to this show are people who want to challenge the way that things are being done. And you're very much just doing that. You're not talking about the fact that you're doing it. You're not trying to get attention for doing it. You're just like out there, like regularly having the conversations. And so I'm curious, like, how did that start to happen? Like, did you, I guess to start with, like, when did you start to notice that this needed, this was something that needed to happen? Mm -hmm. And what has that process been like for you as you've kind of gotten more comfortable, like being active in the community and then like actively challenging people in the community to be like, no, we can actually do things better here. Or like, this is what you're not thinking about, or this is where you might be kind of overlooking important aspects. Mm -hmm. That was a loaded question. No, it's loaded, but good. Um, in terms of the community part, like, honestly, I didn't realize I was doing it until people st- like you started like to point it out. It was just like, if something wasn't being done, I'd be like, oh, hey, by the way, did you know there's this tool? Or hey, did you know, you know, there's this alternative language or whatever? It was just me offering help, I guess. Or also, I would ask questions. and be like, well, why don't you have XYZ? Just wondering. And that came from my own personal curiosity standpoint mm-hmm. then I realized it was just by doing those things naturally it was challenging how things are done because people pause and they're like actually yeah I don't have a transcript for my podcast or yeah. actually I didn't know about you know this ableist language or whatever it was um and so I didn't like set out to like you know <laughs> charge in with my flag and be like I'm gonna challenge everything it was just yeah. like there's some shit not being done and I see it and I'm curious about it and also I want to ask why if you know about it or not that's it um so that kind of kind of naturally happened but I think when I became more intentional about it was after like the, uh, this is going to sound really bad, but like the DEI explosion, you know, like when it became more mainstream and like all the awareness, 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 but then there wasn't any action or, you know, Mm -hmm. at least not so in the accessibility area. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm really, I really think that awareness is great 100% for it. But then like after people are aware, then what? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that for accessibility, people tend to feel overwhelmed or confused at first when they hear it. Um, it can be like, they'll think automatically of like physical accessibility, like wheelchairs and canes, or they'll think I'm going to get sued if I'm not accessible. So just Mm -hmm. even thinking about the topic feels like daunting, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a business owner. Um, so I started to think of, okay, well, what are some ways like bring that overwhelm down? You know, Mm -hmm. how can people feel like I can take a small step, you know, towards something, um, and, and really make an impact. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like when DI was blowing up, I realized that accessibility was like left out of the conversation mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and especially it was ironic in at least global North, you know, we're being pushed towards a lot of digital culture, you know, being on social media all the time, being online all the time. And I'm like, all right, we're going to be in these digital spaces. They should be accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. So why are we talking about this? Yeah. Um, and for a lot of people, you know, even disabled people, 
being online is so much more than just like a, a social media thing. You know, it's for their well-being, it's for their mental health. Um, and as gross as social media can be, there's also these pockets that are beautiful in terms of like providing people with a sense of community. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like all people deserve access to that. So, mm. you know, for me, there's no justice and there's no equity without accessibility and without including disability. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. So, you know, once DEI became like the hot thing and I realized that accessibility was kind of left out of the conversation, um, you know, people were talking about, you know, the common things of like ethnic and cultural diversity. They're talking about gender expression. They're talking about neurodivergence. But I was like, okay, accessibility, where's that at, you know? Um, And so being the way that my mind works, (laughs) it always wants to blend things and mash things together. That's when I really started thinking about that accessibility and design part. And, you know, a lot of designers try to make it like all academic and highbrow about like creative strategy and all this and all that. But at the end of the day, it's about people and people have needs. So like we need to address them. Yeah. Um, That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I love that because I mean, for obvious reasons, because like, duh, but also like, I feel like it's just so easy to way overcomplicate. Yes business like in general and like the thing that I always come back to is just like if you're focused on who you're here for and you're actually curious about what people need from you Mm -hmm. you are doing the thing that is the foundation for business which is notice a need and create something um a value for people and that's what you were doing but not from a place of like I'm gonna go out and do business the right way but from a place of like I'm curious about how we can do better Mm -hmm. you know that that is first of all I think a lot more fun and a lot more rewarding but it's also like the reason why if all you're focused on is how can I do this right, you're just going to spin your wheels because you have to get curious about the people and you have to get curious about what they actually need from you to like do better. Um, Yeah. And the other thing that I was going to say that I have been thinking about a lot lately, and I'm actually really curious about your thoughts on this. I pay a lot of money at this point Mm -hmm. between people to help me and different tools just to make my stuff accessible. And I have been thinking so much lately about how fucking inaccessible it is to create accessible content. <laughs> like what the, like it is so frustrating. I don't understand. And you, you, you're probably like preaching to the choir. Can you? No, I love it. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't understand how we are at a point where like, Okay, we have chat GPT or whatever the fuck it is, mm-hmm. all of this AI shit that people are talking about, but like we're still not at a point, we're still at a point where if I want to add someone to my Otter account to have a team member create transcripts, it is going to cost me $400 a year. Man. $400 a year. Mm-hmm. Then, like, I-, I mean, I'm a person who, with my own shit, writing, uh, like image descriptions is like my personal fucking hell as somebody who needs like visual and audio and does not work through language. The idea of finally creating the graphic and then having to write an image description of it. It makes me like I, it makes me so mad and I'm just like, how are we not better at this? How, how are we not better at this? It makes, okay. 
I'm not. No, I, I feel the rage 100%. Like I look at AI and people are like the things they use it for. And I'm like, or you could be using it to help you edit your image descriptions and alt text, like things that it could actually be helpful for as yeah. opposed to whatever random crypto bro frat boy shit they're doing. It's just, oh, it drives me up the wall. But in terms of the cost stuff, that is one of my huge pet peeves because it feels like, like with food sometimes to eat healthy costs more money. You know, mm-hmm. it costs more money to eat what naturally grows out of the ground than yep. some weird lab grown, genetically modified stuff. And I'm like, that makes no sense. Or what you grew out of the ground and then was like ultra processed and went through all and then ends up like, how, how? It, the logic is not logicking for me. And I'm yeah. like, what? And so when I think about the cost of accessibility too, I'm like, you guys are literally just making it harder for people to have what should be a basic right, which is just access. Yeah. And I think that also factors into like the mindset people have about accessibility because a lot of people see it as a cost. They don't mm-hmm. like, for me, I see accessibility as care um, or people, especially business owners see it like associated with legal punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the big part about people getting more people to adopt accessibility is shifting that mindset really mm-hmm. um, so that they know that one, it's, it's not just a financial cost. It's not just a legal burden, but like you can do the smallest things that are free or low cost that will literally help so many people mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. captioning your Instagram videos, boom, mm-hmm. automatically people who are deaf or hard hearing people that are learning English, uh, a mom who can't have her phone on loud because the baby sleep, like whatever that someone's on their commute, who knows automatically that one simple small thing with a cheaper free tool is like opening mm-hmm. the world to so many people. Um, and so I think that if we can shift people's mindset to like integrate accessibility into things and not think of mm-hmm. it as like a thing you do after or, mm-hmm. you know, an add on, that's going to shift so much how people think of it. And then ultimately that's going to drive how much it costs because the companies obviously care about money. And once they see that right. people care about it and, you know, they're not willing right. to pay $500 for this one caption add on, that's going to change their behavior ultimately too. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh my God. Remember the day that the caption stickers were added on Instagram? Remember that day? I'm like, oh God, the time, the time that we all got back. Those of us who were already captioning things by typing every single word after. I remember being like, okay, can I like voice memo? Can I like do like talk to text while I'm recording the story? Does that work? Like trying to like... All the hacks, yeah. And being like, I don't understand how we at the time, remember they had the music stickers and the Mm -hmm. lyrics would come up. Yes, yes. Like you're already doing it. And that's the thing. Even like major platforms like Spotify, like clearly you have lyric capabilities built in. Why can't I have transcripts for podcasts? You have the functionality. I see it. It sees me. I'm looking at the lyrics, the lyrics are looking at me. Why can't you do this for podcasts? (laughs) None of this makes sense. The technology is there, my friend. So yeah, it just yeah. It blows my mind. So when things like, you know, Instagram, they add the caption sticker, it's not perfect, but to me, that's a start and that's a step. And that helps, again, reduce some of that overwhelm for people. Because you're going to fuck up with accessibility. Like you are, like I mess up still. Like, and not just accessibility with DEI, with all of this stuff. Like I still mess up, even as someone with like intersectional identities, mm-hmm. I still have obviously proximity to power and privilege. I'm, you know, I live in the United States, English is the first language, I'm not disabled, all these things. But like, people have to be okay with fucking up. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a whole side conversation with like cancel culture and being called out and all those things, but you just have to accept that you're going to mess up and it's okay. And as long as you're learning and you're trying and you're willing to listen to people with lived experience, it's going to be okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, you're very, it's very true. I've been thinking so much lately about, I feel like I've, this is, again, we're on a side conversation, but I feel like I've gotten to a point where I'm not pissing enough people off. Like, Mm -hmm. like, and I don't mean to say, like, I, you know, I feel like that's not exactly like a parallel to what you're saying, because it is certainly not my goal to fuck up in terms of like, have like, you know, not including people. But also, I feel like, I, you know, one of the things that I've been realizing is like, if you're really challenging things, if you're really like stepping out and saying things that really need to be said, or if you're really trying to like stand up for people or like include people, you're going to expose yourself to, first of all, people who aren't going to like it. And second of all, people who are going to be like, I see what you're trying to do and you're not doing it. And (laughs) right. And that's something that I've really been challenging myself on lately too, because I'm like, Ooh, am I doing that? Like, do I, am I doing what I think I'm doing or am I actually trying to present everything in a way that is going to be accepted or is Mm -hmm. going to look good? And, um, yeah, it's just, it's tricky, but it's true. It's like, you can't, yeah, the vulnerability and all of that and the, the, the potentially being called out and all of that stuff, it's going to happen. And it's, it it's unavoidable to me and it's going to happen again. Um, <laughs> it's all about intention and effort and you're never going to be enough for all people all the time you know, yeah. even still I'll, I'll do something a certain way. And they're like, well, did you know? And I'm like, I didn't, but thank you, you know, yeah. or, you know, there's, it's just unavoidable. So again, intention and effort, if, if you're willing to learn and listen, um, and then also just tell some people to fuck off because they're just probably miserable anyways and dragging you down, <laughs> you know, like there's some opinions that you just don't need to listen to. And I'm like, all right, it's so great. The opinions that I love to not listen to are the ones that come from people who are not a part of the group that they're trying to like speak for. They'd be so loud too. So loud. Can you not like, yeah, I'm just, I am just so sick. Uh, I'll just say like, I am really, my patience with like white able-bodied cis het people who have such loud opinions on what I should or shouldn't do and all of us should or shouldn't do. I'm like, Preach. worry about yourself. Um, <laughs> Testimony. <sorry. laughs> yes. Yes. I'm in the front pew Sunday. Bring it. Mm. But, but this is the thing though. Okay. This is what I was going to say. I think that part of what makes it, I've certainly witnessed this for myself and I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Cause I think that there is a parallel here to what we were talking about before with you actually being a part of the community and really active in your community and having relationships with people is when you actually have relationships with people who, first of all, give a shit in the mm-hmm. way that you give a shit value the same things that you value and also have relationships with people like across lines of difference. I, I think that you're in a position where that fear of being called out is like, it takes so much of the charge out of it because uh, like you were saying before, you're like, Oh, these are people who I have relationships with instead of it being about doing things the right way. Right. Or like, I don't fucking know. I guess we're just talking about performance at this time, at this point, but 
Yeah. But I feel like, you know, for you, like you are very much a part of your community. And so that's, it seems to me that that's why when someone says, well, did you know, you're able to be like, no, I didn't. Thanks. Because you're actually in the conversation instead of it being like, oh, I showed up to try to do this to get it right. And now someone's telling me I got it wrong. And now I'm discouraged. It's like just a totally different energy to the whole thing mm-hmm. that doesn't actually come from a place of curiosity and um, trying to do better, which again is like what I think I have observed in you for so long and part of the reason why I wanted to have you on. Yeah. I mean, that filter really matters, especially like when, you know, people say like in community with people or community in practice, it makes it so much easier for me if one of my friends or someone that I know, or even just someone that's been following me on social media is like, Oh, Hey, by the way, yada, yada, yada. I don't see it as an attack on me or what I'm doing. It's generally them either maybe offering help or, or, you know, getting curious about something as well. And because I'm such a, like a person, I like, I like to walk alongside people instead of in front of them. I just, it's like, we're all learning together. This is only going to benefit all of us because we're having this discussion, assuming they're not being a jerk, just be a jerk sake. But, you know, if it's coming from a, a, from a good place, then I'm down for it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I would love if you're up for it to talk about some things that people should be considering, um, from an access, like uh, in terms of accessibility, because I feel like we're talking, like we're, we're talking about accessibility as though, like we're talking to people who are already like fully in this conversation. And I'm sure a ton of the people who, a lot of the people who are listening, I say a ton of, like, I have a ton of listeners. Um, don't get too excited, Lenine. You're, you're <laughs> Every listener counts. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of the people listening are, but a lot of the people listening might be like, okay, but like, what do I, like what what can I do right like you were talking before but like there's some simple things that you can do um would you mind filling us in on like some of the 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 key things or some of the like low-hanging fruit things for people to be paying attention to so that we can do better lord would I yes um (laughs) I like 50 million things come to mind okay great just go go you don't have to be organized you can just go the yeah all of them come to mind. Well, what immediately comes to mind are, you know, with the ones that are currently popular, obviously, is capturing your videos. Social platforms, uh, social media platforms are definitely pushing video, you know, reels and, and all this stuff. So that's super easy. Obviously, we're talking about podcasts. Um, they continue to grow. So providing transcripts for your podcast is big. Um, I tell people, if you're the type of person that's doing a podcast and you work from a script, you essentially have a transcript all ready to go. Yeah. Like it's, it's super easy. You know, you might have to cross-reference and do a little editing, throw in some timestamps and boom. There are some ways that you can like button up your transcript and make it look really super, super professional. But if you're just getting started, honestly, just roll with that. If you got your script, <laughs> that's it. That's what I did for a while. I had a, I was like writing a script for the episodes and I would just put that in the post with the episode. And I was just like, there you go. It's better than transcript would be anyways, because it's actually accurate. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm like, boom. It's so easy. One of those quick things. Um, Social media, there's a ton of like little quick wins. Um, Captioning, not captioning, Lord, capitalizing your hashtags. So Mm. like if you have a hashtag that's multiple words, like Brooke is awesome. Um, and you write it all in lowercase. Love your example. <laughs> I know it's it's true. I only use in-depth case studies here. Okay. Hashtag Brooke is awesome. Uh, let's get that trending. Uh, there are people that use screen readers. So basically it's a type of assistance, assistive technology that reads what's on their screen or what's on their device aloud. And so if you have a hashtag and there's no capital letters, the screen reader doesn't know it's separate words. It's just going to read it as blah, 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 like nonsense. Mm-hmm. 
But if you capitalize each word, it actually can tell separate words and it'll read it as Brooke is awesome instead of trying to mash it together as one word. Mm-hmm. And that takes two seconds to do. And yeah. most people already are using, you know, social media platforms where they're like saving their commonly used hashtags anyways. So it's like, just save it in that little block or copy paste it, leave it in a note somewhere on your phone or something. So you can always go back and use them. But that's another low hanging fruit that I like love to tell people. I'm like, do that mm-hmm. five seconds, a world of accessibility. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's- um, I think another thing that you have, I think, yeah, I think that you're the reason why I even pay attention to this now. So thank you. Is like color contrast. Oh my gosh. Uh, as a designer. Yes, that drives me up the wall. <laughs> I can't, I can't deal. Designers, please, anyone creative or designing or working with colors, please check your colors. There are a ton of free tools out there, literally that you can use like color contrast check or just Google it. And there's a ton out there. If you're, you know, an Adobe person, they have their own tool. It takes all of two seconds. You just type in your color codes, CMYK, RGB, whatever it takes, and it'll tell you if they're too close to each other, if two colors are too close to each other. So if anyone has any kind of color deficiency or color blindness, for example, if they can't see blue or green and you have a blue and a green next to each other, that might just read as like two grays that look the same, for example. Mm -hmm. So those color checking tools are amazing, Um, especially since designers now are getting all fancy with like data visualizations and infographics and mm-hmm. they're like doing all these cool things. And I'm like, yeah, but if I couldn't see colors, I don't know what this chart's telling me at all because right. the chart relies purely on color. There's no labels, there's no patterns, there's there's nothing there. It's just color. And I'm like, well, not helping. Right. Yeah. Like if I, if you just spent a bunch of time, because listen, people listening, I know you're fucking around with your website for way too long. Yep. I know you are in there in Squarespace and whatever it is that you use and you're trying to make everything look so pretty. And I'm going to tell you something might look nice to you, but how would it make you feel to know that there are people who are going to land on the homepage of your website mm-hmm. and like might not even be able to see what you just did, like might not even be able to fucking read what mm-hmm. you just put on there. Like, Yeah. I have, I've been paying much closer attention to this. Thank you, Lenine. I have done better due to your uh, fire. And that's one thing that I love about you too. You're very fiery and you do not hide it. And it, it helps because it's like, it's gotten me thinking about things where I'm like, oh, wow, I did not even think about that. But what I do know is I have a lot of respect for Lenine and I am going to do better. Yes. I would like to attribute my fieriness to my Hawaiian and Samoan culture. Perhaps maybe the lava just like channels through oh, me. That's I why I'm so that. fiery perhaps. But um, yeah, no, if, if I'm passionate about it, I'm loud about it. Yeah. To the point where I'm obnoxious. Like I just will not <laughs> shut up about something. I don't care how it's taken. It's just, yeah. And that works in my favor in terms of my business and, you know, talking about accessibility. But then sometimes I'm just really loud about stuff like, you know, I don't know, K-pop, BTS. And my friend is like, shut up. I don't need to know about your love of BTS. And I'm like, yes, you do. Um, but yeah, there's a line. <laughs> Are there any other things that we should talk about in terms of just like accessibility, uh, things that should, people should be considering? Or also like one of the other things that you talk about is inclusion in, in design. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious if there's any, if there are any other things that we should point out to people that just might not even be on their radar. I think one that's 
oddly enough, in, in line of accessibility is this one's kind of like intangible because, again, people think of accessibility in the, in the real technical aspect. You know, they think of like auditing their website. They think of, you know, um, you know, are their PDFs formatted correctly? But the intangible one to me is plain language um, mm. in the sense of like, you know, someone can someone with a lower grade school education. Can they understand what you what you're saying, the terminology you're using? Are you explaining it? Are there footnotes? Is there an area where they can reference? Um, you know, and if someone's not fluent in the language that the content's in, can they also understand it? Um, obviously, there's a time and place for more academic talk, you know, if you're at a conference or something like that. But if you're just writing a blog post and you're using jargon and industry terms and all this stuff, and, you know, if I stumble on that, am I even going to get it? Like, what's what's the point there? So um, that's one of those accessible things that I, I don't think people really think of often. Yeah. Are you telling me I don't need to try to sound smart? I mean, I'm not saying it, but if I were to say it, it would sound like that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so <laughs> any others? Because I don't want to I don't want to cut you off if there's more that you have on your list. Nah, those are the juggernauts. Once you get to like to be like a big, huge corporation, then you can mm-hmm. you know hire the big dogs, come in and do audits and like all this this fancy stuff. But for the day to day people, like honestly, just caption your stuff, throw in some capitalized hashtags and speak plainly. Yeah. And also I will say we will put the link in the show notes and we'll talk about it at the end of the episode. But um, people should get on your email list if they want like more on this because I get your emails and you're always sending out like just little things that like people might not be thinking about. And you're always sharing like really cool tools and like case studies of accessible you know, companies and design and stuff. And it's very cool. So, um, okay. Shifting gears because I love this about your business as well. And I just love this about you. It's something that there's two things about you that like, I think remind me a lot of me. And Mm -hmm. I think that that might be why I, you know, selfishly, like if I'm really being honest, why I'm like, self-absorbed much Brooke jeez <laughs> I know right I'm like I like you because you're like me <laughs> come and talk to me for like uh, 45 minutes um but no there's two things that that you do that do I I like see myself in you and it just like makes me want to talk to you more about it the first thing is the fire because I get a little sassy and I need to kind of tone it down a little bit every now and then sometimes I'm a little bit you know I can be a little bit much, put it that way. Um, And I get angry about things. And when I get angry about things, I don't shut up about them. But the other thing is this wanting, this like connecting of a bunch of different things and like bringing a bunch of different elements together. Um, Like sublation is like, that's what you're all, that's what your whole thing is all about, right? It's like, there's the design, but then there's also like all these other elements of it. And I'm so curious for you because this is something that I struggle with all the time. So again, this is me being selfish and just wanting to talk to you like as like a friend about this. Um, (laughs) I'm so curious for you, like what that process has been like of not making yourself wrong for including all of these different elements in your business because we hear all the time, like you should keep it simple. You shouldn't try to do everything. I get probably once a month, I'm like, I, I'm like, Brooke, you are trying to do too much. 
You are trying to do way too much and you need to get more specific and you need to like narrow it down because like you're talking about everything. And then ultimately I'm like, but no, like if I, if I didn't include some of these things, I wouldn't be complete in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And also I think there's a way where it actually, even though I'm doing more, it's also like at the intersection of all that, it's actually even more specific. And I think that your business is similar, right? Like you're a designer, but you're also talking about inclusion and you're also in to- talking about accessibility. And you had your podcast for a while where you were like talking about some philosophy stuff. And I think when I first met you, you had like three different Instagram accounts going where you were okay. doing like different things and different, right? And now they're all under this one umbrella. And like, what has that been like for you? Like, do you feel like you make yourself wrong for that sometimes? And then you talk yourself mm-hmm. out of it. Have you gotten more comfortable doing it? Yeah. I definitely tried to initially I was like this is I had this vision for what sublation was going to be um sublation the word itself is like this philosophy word that's basically about like integration without elimination so two Mm -hmm. things come together and whatever they make is more awesome together than they would be by themselves and that's just like my entire everything my life how I see things the things I enjoy it's always about mixing things together and so when I first wanted to start the sublation studio I was like I had this vision where I was like there's going to be three different pillars and you know like all of the it made sense to me and all of the advice I got was like don't you dare fucking do that you're going to confuse clients they're not going to know what you do what does philosophy have to do with anything why are you trying to educate stick to design like all of the advice was like niche down and like you know, be a specialist and that's it. None of this generalist stuff. And I was like, all right, well, I'll try it. I tried it and I hated it. I hated it with a passion so deep in my soul. I was like, I am not going to make it out of the other side if I keep doing this because I literally, I, I can't keep things simple. Like my brain just does not keep things simple. It's just everything. There's layers, everything. There's complexity, everything. It's like my brain tries to connect dots to something else that's related Um, for example, I'll be designing, let's say a logo and I'll think of a shape that I saw in a string theory book. I'd be like, Oh, that Calabi Yao shape or whatever it was like, this would be dope for this logo because these people are about X, Y, Z. Like it literally, like, I can't turn that off. So I think that if I were to try to like zone in and like be that specialist, I would either bore myself to death and just not want to do this anymore. Um, or I'd probably be really frustrated because it would feel so containing, so restrictive, and then I just, I, I wouldn't be able to, to really do much more like beyond that. Um, mm. Even with design, like as my, my you know, career and it's something that I love, I, I can't get too sucked up into it. Cause then I start getting like sick of whatever trends are out, whatever, like the gurus are saying, like whatever the echo chamber advice is. And I'm like, oh, I got to get out of this. So I have to have my hands in all the different pots at one time to like, just keep keep things fresh and to keep my brain busy because if I don't keep it busy, it's going to find something to be busy with. And that's usually anxiety. And so like, you know, it's a little bit of problem solving here, really self-preservation more than anything. (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about, Lenine. See, uh, uh, more similarities uh, bubbling up from, yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, and, and ultimately like, you know, there's a lot of designers out there. And so I look Mm -hmm. at what you do and I'm like, okay, for people who really value this stuff, like to me, you just seem like an obvious, like the obvious pick, you know what I mean? Because you're like making space for this, not just to be like, oh yeah, this is a thing that I value and putting it on your website. But like anybody who knows you knows that you're spending a lot of time on your business 
But outside of that, you were spending a lot of time, like just continuing to learn and grow and have conversations with people on these topics. And so you're always at the, uh, yeah, you're like, you're like just always at the forefront of this shit. Like from the outside looking in, that's what I see. And so, yeah, it's like the advice is, you know, be more specific and don't try to do all of that stuff. But from where I sit, I'm like, okay, you do great design work. So people are going to find you for that. But also like, aside from that, if people really care about this stuff, obviously you should be the one on the team because you're not just going to, you're not just going to design the stuff. You're also going to make sure that pe- that these companies and businesses, that their values are coming through at every level, including the design. And so. It's a package yeah. deal. I mean, this is what they get when they work with me. They're not just getting my design eye. They're going to get all those other lenses that I see things through. So it's like, why try to turn that off? And why try to box it out? And I think, especially for designers, because it's so preached to niche down and to not yeah. be a generalist, not be a Swiss army knife. Um, I just encourage them to like open that door, like just bring those other interests into your work and see what happens. So if anyone, yeah. any creatives, if you have like an intersectional identity um, or if you have varied interests, like really try to think of them as your superpowers because as wild and spread out as people might say that it is, it honestly puts you in the best niche ever because you're you yeah. and no one can niche down to be you. So automatically it's a win. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Lenine, Okay. You've got a couple things going on. So you have your design stuff, but you also, um, well, I don't know if we're talking about this yet, but I think, I think that at some point in the future, there may be something coming out that's going to help people actually implement the stuff that we were talking about here. So I want to make sure that for people who are hearing this and they're like, this is really interesting. I want to have this on my radar. Like, how can people connect with you? Where should people go next? And what do you have going on? Well, I am trying to uh, not do the whole build your house on rented land thing. So um, mm. even though I'm on Instagram and the bird app for now until it crash and burns, does whatever it's doing. Uh, honestly, the newsletter is the best way to find me. Um, I have The link will be in the show notes, but it's really just kind of like a dip your toe in starter newsletter for people that kind of want to see how DEI and accessibility like relate to art and design and also how it relates to their day-to-day lives. So it's hopefully, and I want it to be like a brave space for people to like ask really awkward questions or hard questions. And in the words of a very wise person, get curious uh, about their lived experiences and and perspectives that maybe they haven't thought of before. So yeah, the newsletter is my jam because I I love that it feels like way more two-way conversational. People reply or they drop me links about an article they read or share tools with me and like, Oh, that's the stuff I live for, the community stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So um, Sublation, you can find, is it sbltn.com is your main website? Yep. Okay. And then sbltn, so like Sublation, sbltn.substack.com um, for those of you who don't make it to the show notes, because if you're anything like me, um, you just are like, yeah, I'll do that later. So sbltn.substack.com. You can get on Lenine's email list and I'm on there. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. If there is one thing that I know about Lenine, they will not just send randomly thrown together emails to your inbox. They will not 
crowd your inbox with things that were not very well thought through. Trust me, I was around during the whole thinking through of how this email list was going to work. It is incredibly intentional. And if you sign up, I promise you, you will not get spammed and you will get like very expertly curated, beautiful emails with um, some great tips. And also like, I think that we'll also, you'll also see like what Lenine's listening to and like maybe some snack recommendations as well, if you're into that too, but you will learn a lot about accessibility and design. And um, yeah, I, I think that for me having kind of been in your orbit for quite a bit at this point all of that like constant learning that you do you're so generous about like passing that on Mm -hmm. uh to those of us who are in your spaces and so it's for y'all Lenine, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure that we chat about before you go or you want to leave people with I think I don't know I feel like all the DEI and accessibility stuff can be really heavy sometimes. And so I just want to remind people that like, just chill. It's okay. Like, you know, really we're, we're all on this giant rock floating in nothingness for a blip of time. So, you know, is horrible as, as humans and everything can be sometimes there's some really awesome moments. So just try to be a decent person, really, you know, um, leave people (laughs) and places and planets and animals better, uh, than how they were when you found them and just try to have fun. I guess that on that on that note of like chilling the fuck out a little bit, uh, I had an experience um, at the time that we're recording this. It was pretty recent, but the, the time that this airs, it will have had a little bit of time. But I had an experience recently where a friend of mine, who it has much more power and influence than I do, uh, said some things that mm, I basically left my body and went absolutely like I lost my mind on this person uh and not exactly proud of it but also at the end of the day i was like um yeah but also like you deserved that like and i actually think that i was pretty justified in how angry i was and i walked away (laughs) from it and i was like you know what at the end of the day like because as somebody who also has like you know has all kinds of fucking privilege it was a lesson to me too to be like I'm going to be fine and I need to know that, that I'm going to be fine and that no amount of being called out or even yelled at the way that I yelled at this person (laughs) uh, is going to end me, right? And so all I've got to do is I've just got to be open to listening to people. If people want to be mad at me, it's okay. I've got to remind myself that it's okay. And just like acknowledge, you know, that other people have different perspectives and like considering those perspectives and doing, you know, listening to people and at least just making them feel heard Mm -hmm. goes such a long way, you know? And so, yeah, like breathe because you're going to be okay. I am certain that this person who I lost my shit on, who's actually a very good friend of mine, he's fine. I think he's fine. Um, (laughs) You think (laughs) And it taught me a lesson too, where I was like, oh, if someone did that to me, I would not have taken it well, but also like, I'd be fine too, you know? And so, yeah. We're going to be okay, y'all. It's going to be okay. And there are things that we can do that are actually not that big of a deal that can make a really big difference. And I'm really glad that you are here to fill us in on some of those, Lenny. Open door policy. You ever want to come back? 
Let's do it. Maybe weekly. when you when you have more things out in the future, you can come back on and fill people in. These secret things, when they're out, I will be the first one to come here and tell you about them. The things, yes. All right, Lenine, thank you so much. No problem. Transcend Your Dichotomy is a production of Passion and Process Collaborative, LLC. The show is produced by me, Brooke Monahan, with production and marketing support from Julia Pink and Crunch Ranjani. Crunch also creates downloadable transcripts for each episode, which you can find on the episode page at brooke-monahan.com slash podcast. If you're ready to put this work into action, head to brooke-monahan.com to learn more about Transcend Your Dichotomy training camp and coaching with me. And remember, ratings, reviews, and sharing the episodes all go a long way. Love y'all. See you next week.